Welcome back to the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. Okay, joined by a returning guest today, Devin Nicholson, as you know from the Hannibal TV. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Just watching your intro there and seeing all the celebrities. What's what's your trick to getting the celebrity guests? I'm very good at sending emails. In oh. fact, I've only I have only one email and I just copy and paste them all and just slightly change it around whether they be a, a wrestler okay. or anyone. But if there's anyone there that uh, grabs your attention, I'll send you on what I have. And if they go on my channel, they'll definitely go on your channel. Sounds good. Yeah, that's an yeah. impressive uh, guest list you've had so far. Happy to be part of it for yeah, the second thanks time. So yeah. And um, we'll t touch on your YouTube channel first before we get into things today. What are you at now? How many subscribers? Uh, we're going to hit 316,000 anytime now. And we got over 200 million views. And on Facebook now, on our The Hannibal TV Facebook page, I think we got 75,000 followers now. So some of our videos actually do better on Facebook now than YouTube for whatever reason. Uh, so we we put pretty much everything on both platforms now. Yeah, I was I done a couple of live streams. I don't do too many live shows, but when I did, because my views are significantly lower than yours will say but then the ones that are on facebook don't carry over to youtube and i just said no it's just going to be easier for me just i'll just stick to the one platform while i have the channel at, at this level anyway yeah do whatever uh, you feel comfortable with but now that i'm doing this full time pretty much i do i do keep a part-time job just to get out of the house a few times a week but uh I have the time to to keep it going on both platforms. So yeah. So thanks for everyone that subscribes to the Hannibal TV on YouTube or Facebook, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at the Hannibal TV as well. Yeah. And what when you're looking at your YouTube channel, like for me now, being a smaller channel, I will look and I'll say, right, I've got 160,000, no, 170,000 views I have now, and this channel's been going a little over a year, so. What I do is kind of like, right, by Christmas time, I want to have 250,000 views. Um, do you set yourself targets and goals like that? Yeah, I definitely want to have, uh, I want to be creeping up on 500,000 by Christmas time for sure. I have a few plans in the work for that, uh, including, as people may have heard, right now we're, we're working on a Blood Hunter movie that we're planning to produce in June. So, well, the movie will not air on YouTube, maybe YouTube movies, because it's going to be uh, 
there's going to be some nudity in it and some other scenes that YouTube <laughs> might be a bit fickle about. So we will post clips of that on there too. And I yeah. think that uh, that and the publicity from the movie is going to help the channel grow more. And of course, I'll be getting more interviews and, and posting more match videos. But uh, right now I have a company, Great North Wrestling, but they're just just literally today they're starting to get rid of the more more of the covid rules here in the province i live in so i've been taking a break from promoting events because i just don't want to deal with uh, the regulations that make it hard even harder than it already is to make money on independent wrestling yeah especially with cancellations and then if you're flying guys in from different countries and they have restrictions coming in and they have to isolate and things like that like I'm coming to America now in a few weeks. Well, it'll be this week when it comes out for WrestleMania. And I have to do a, a test, a COVID test, 24 hours before I leave. And I yeah. just have that that fucking feeling that oh, I go to get this test and I'm going to have it and I won't be able to go. Yeah, and Canada's you know? even a little bit more strict than, than America for getting in. But up until today, today they finally got rid of the mask rule. It was still... Uh, in effect and there was a bunch of other rules that uh made me cancel the event we were actually going to put on next month because i put on uh, an event last year and they actually changed the rules after i booked the event and spent a lot of money on advertising for it so we were basically already at capacity before the advertising even played so it was just a nightmare where in reality there should have been a lot more fans allowed to attend, but it's just uh, that's why I'd rather invest in a movie right now. Yeah, so and we're gonna, and the movie is going to be based around your wrestling career, which is why we're here today to talk about it. It actually isn't. Some people think it is, but uh, okay, um, I won't reveal too much about it. But the Blood Hunter wrestler is going to kind of be a character in it, but it's not going. Devin Nicholson is not going to be a character in the movie. There, there it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more of a TV series pilot than a movie. So there's going to be lots of subplots to it, and the character that plays the Blood Hunter in the movie is uh, going to have a lot more layers to him than Devin Nicholson. And there's, I won't reveal everything that happens in it, but it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, to say the least. But there was so another gonna... movie about my wrestling career that came out like 10 years ago that was my career up to that point. A lot of people think I did make that movie. I didn't. Um, it was a guy named Maximilian Moscow, and that movie ended up winning three awards at the L.A. Movie Awards. Um, but, yeah, that was more about the struggles I had gone through uh, in my wrestling career up to that point. But he had been following me around for a couple of years, gathering footage for that movie. Yeah, and it's very good as well. I'd encourage people to check it out, and we'll we'll stick it underneath this video. Um, but in terms of you being wa- wanting to be a wrestler, like when did that come into your thoughts as a young man? I always wanted to be a wrestler. Um, there was no point that I didn't want to be a wrestler because... Uh, my mother was uh, pretty much a stay-at-home mom, 
and for some extra income when I was young, while she was looking after me, uh, she babysat another kid. And this kid was about four or five years older than me, maybe six years older than me. And he was a super wrestling fan. So he was automatically talking to me about wrestling, like from the time I was able to talk and had the figures and stuff and would always uh, bring over the VHS tapes of Saturday night main event. So it was, I was pretty much always a fan. And as a lot of kids wanted to be wrestlers when I was a kid, cause it was during like the eighties boom of wrestling. Yeah. I just never grew out of it. I stayed a fan and I stayed a fan through the period when it wasn't cool to be a wrestling fan and you'd actually get made fun and picked on for being a wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I never really changed. I went into amateur wrestling because I always heard that amateur wrestling would help you be a professional wrestler. So, um, a lot of people think I got into pro wrestling because I was successful at amateur wrestling. No, I just knew that Bret Hart had done it. Bob Backlund had done it. Uh, lots of uh, successful wrestlers had done it. So I just uh, thought of it as a tool to become a pro wrestler. Yeah. And when you decided to go down from the amateur to the pro wrestling route, who trained you? Uh, well, it was a bit of a long story. I actually, uh, this is the part where, in retrospect, I, I guess I'm happy where I'm at now, but I think I would have had a way different career if I had uh, just stuck with amateur wrestling because I had had two, I had two scholarships coming out of high yep. school. I was national champion uh, in high school and the equivalent of state champion. And I was undefeated in high school competition my senior year. And not only undefeated, but like I destroyed competition because my senior year in high school, I was also doing open university tournaments. So uh, like when you're a high school kid having to amateur wrestle men in university, mm -hmm. like it, you lose all the nerves when you have to face high school kids and I actually won or uh, I medaled at three of those university tournaments in high school so I was I was uh, pretty well recruited and I had scholarship offers but around May or June of my senior year in high school uh, there was a show starting called Matt Rats that uh, Eric Bischoff was involved with and keep in mind WCW just closed in March yeah, this was 2001. And Eric Bischoff and a guy named Graham Owens, who was the money guy that was later put in jail for a drug smuggling operation. Uh, <laughs> but they, they were doing this, this show called Matt Rats that the Hart family was involved with. Like Harry Smith was in it. Ted Hart, Natalia, Vic Richter was in it. Uh, Randy Myers, who's had some success recently. Um, in some American promotions, there was some some good talent involved with it, and they were the whole thing with Eric was because every he he was saying like everyone in WCW was old, and he was always getting slack from people saying uh, he made it with old wrestlers that he wanted to do it with young wrestlers this time, and he was going to do this 
show that he was hoping to get on MTV with all like kid wrestlers that were still teenagers. And I think I was 17 at the time. So they, it was all in the wrestling news that they were looking for, for kids to be in this show. And there was an email address where you could send videos. And I believe I sent some of my amateur wrestling matches and I sent like a wrestling promo and they, they accepted me into this and they flew me to Calgary for a few weeks where we trained to do one match and they were supposed to pay us. They never paid us. But when I went out there, um, I caught the wrestling bug because we were still part of this pilot and Jason Hervey was Bischoff's partner from the wonder years. So it was like, I was like thrown right into the wrestling business. I was around the Hart family and I was as big a fan as you could get. So it's like, do I really want to go to school, which I never really liked school? Or should I move out to Calgary and be part of this and train more on how to be a wrestler and so forth? So I made the decision, which my parents uh, took years to forgive me for, was to turn down my scholarships and uh, move to Calgary, which I ended up, because Matt Rats never happened, it fell through. I ended up running out of money after about three or four months. So I then came back and lived with my parents and saved up for a year to go back to train with the hearts um, for a longer period of time. And in the meantime, I trained with Jacques Rougeau, uh, who had a school in Montreal. So I would commute from Ottawa here, which is about two hours from Montreal. Uh, to train with Jacques Rougeau, and I did some of his shows. But his, although he his training did teach me um, a lot, and uh, Kevin Owens was also there at that time, although he had been there before me. Um, it wasn't on how to wrestle on the fly because his shows were practiced matches. He had shows in front of anywhere from three to five thousand people. He was a really good promoter. Mm -hmm. but like it was only like one show every six months or so and what you would do at the practices is just practice the match over and over and over again every week so what really made me speed up my time to go back to calgary was i came back to calgary uh to visit this uh this girl that i was seeing when i first moved to calgary for like a week and I, I got myself a Stampede wrestling match while I was out there. And I Jacques had convinced me that I was really good because I was doing really good in the practices. But they sent us out there. And I remember this was at like some college show that like there was like 30 people in the audience and there was only yeah. like three matches because I know I wrestled for free, but they weren't really paying anybody. It was more because this, this student wanted to put on a show at this college. So it was like three matches. So I was thrown in with this guy to go 20 minutes. And everyone in Calgary, because the dungeon was kind of like a rough place, always had a mean streak in them. There's very few that didn't have a mean streak. And I remember this guy just like pretty much beat the crap out of me for 20 minutes. At that time, I didn't realize how rough he was being with me. But looking back, is like, no, this guy just pouted the crap out of me for 20 minutes. But one thing I learned from that 
was, wait a minute, I have no idea how to call it on the fly because because there was only 30 people and this guy was more of a veteran, he didn't want to call anything. He's just like, let's go in there and, and call it. And then I think that, that had to have been in November of 2002 that I came back. So I did uh, Jacques Rougeau's December show and then like right in January, I'm like, okay, not wasting any more time. I'm going back out to train uh, in the dungeon. So that's when I finally moved out and ended up staying in Calgary for several years training in the dungeon before I ended up moving on to getting booked in Puerto Rico. But I, I really learned how to wrestle um, during that two-year period uh, at the dungeon. And, and Stampede was doing about six six events a month at that time compared to Jacques doing two or three a year. So my progress uh, moved a lot faster. Yeah. Were you in a situation where you wanted to just take as many bookings and wrestling matches as you could just to get the experience? Yes. And also with the dungeon, there was three practices a week. And, and as I've said, the dungeon mats were just mats on the floor. So you learned how to bump. I've never been injured really. The worst injury I had was last October. I tore my pec. Um, and of course I had that, that whole getting infected with hep C, but I never actually been injured other than cuts in wrestling. And I credit that with, when you learn how to fall on gym mats on a basement floor, you learn how to fall pretty quick. Cause if you're learning how to fall in a good ring, you cannot necessarily be great at taking bumps, but I definitely learned how to take bumps well. And, uh, it served me pretty well over the years because I was even talking to Kevin Sullivan uh, last week and he was like, for a 39-year-old, considering how rough a lot of your matches have been, you're in pretty good pretty good health. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I am. I'm, I, I don't walk around with a limp. My back's good. Everything's good. So have you never bo broken a bone in the wrestling ring? I never broken a bone in life, surprisingly. Wow, I've also is... been in a lot of street fights from uh, <laughs> from bouncing off and on from 2001 to 2018. That's crazy. Considering when you look at some of the guys in the business now, obviously some of them would be a lot older, but when they rock up at conventions, these guys are on crutches and walkers and things like that. Does that ever come into your mind that if I keep doing this, maybe I could end up like that, no matter how well protected you are? Well, at this point in time, uh, yes, and that's why I'm happy being a YouTuber right now. I'm still going to wrestle here and there, but I kind of lost my passion for wrestling because it's not, as we said at the start of this, I liked 80s wrestling and then I liked 90s wrestling. That's the, rest, that's the type of wrestling that I wanted to be growing up. And now... It's not like that at all. So at, at, for years and years, it was really bothering me that like my contract was taken away and I, I likely was never going to get in WWE because I was branded tainted even after I got cured. But in recent years, I've come to the realization that, wait a minute, I've wrestled a hell of a lot of guys I grew up idolizing 
without even yeah. being in WWE. Like I've worked with Kevin Nash, Terry Funk, Honky Tonk Man, Kamala, Brutus Beefcake. The the it's a huge long list. Haku, Barbarian, of Sabu, Sandman, Carlito. There are well. Yeah, like literally, there's about fifty legends that I've wrestled over the years. And I interview them. So I still work with the legends that I grew up watching. And I don't really have a boss. I can do whatever I want. So I'm kind of living the life in a job that didn't exist when I was a kid. That it, That is very satisfying. Where, where wrestling now, you're, you're going by a script. And from what I understand, it's very stressful backstage and there's so much politics and I've experienced politics uh, without ever being full-time yeah. WWE, although I've had WWE matches and it's just a negative environment. So I'm happy with, uh, with what I'm doing and only wrestling here, here and there under circumstances that uh, I want to wrestle under. If it's someone that I really want to wrestle or an event I, I really want to be on. But I don't really have the the passion for being a wrestler anymore. Uh, in terms of the WWE matches, you've done a few tryout matches, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, for a while, I was in Deep South Wrestling, and I also had a match against Hayden Wright on SmackDown in Edmonton and against Eugene on Heat in yeah. las vegas um but do again when i was getting the tryouts which was between 2004 to 2006 when uh tommy dreamer was trying to get me hired it wasn't like it is today they weren't actively recruiting as much at the shows i was back there i think 14 tryouts and only two out of those 14 times did i ever actually get matches all the other times I was just sitting back there uh, doing nothing. But now I understand they more actively recruit and like they have agents that, that take you in the ring and, and give a look at you. And it was in 2009 that they started, to my knowledge, like having actual tryout camps that were a week long and uh, where, where you could apply for these camps. And I applied for one, and I did get a contract out of the week camp that I attended. But most people already know the story. I ended up getting my contract taken away because when I did the physical, it turned out I had hep C, which was proven in court in Canada and the U.S. to be from Abdullah the Butcher cutting me with a blade uh, without my permission when he had had hep C for at least 10 years. So that took away my contract. Then I had to go through two years of various treatments uh, to get cured of the disease. And yeah, that really was a horrible time in my life, but I, I did finally get cured of yeah. the uh, disease. Yeah, I could tell from watching the documentary, it's fairly emotional, it's raw, because it's there at the time when it happened and you're talking about it. You you had the, the dream to go to WWE and it was there and it was taken away by just something that you didn't even know you had. And there was no YouTube at that time. And like 
I had, I was bouncing and doing the same job I do now, uh, which is really just a part-time city job. So it's like, I wasn't making good money. I was living in my friend's basement and it's like, I was going to have the opportunity to move to Florida and do what I love and what I've been working for up to that time. It was eight years and I completely dedicated my life to it and I'd finally made it. And then it's like, okay, now you're never going to get this. And by the way, you also have a potentially deadly disease that you need to get treated. So it was a real low point. And the first treatment was terrible and it didn't even work. And I think that was when it really hit me because it's like, I just went through months and months of hell. Now the treatment's easier, but 10 and 11 years ago, it was a much harder treatment. And then the second treatment I did, I actually had to pay for, which was $80,000 because it was experimental. It worked. But that treatment put me in debt for years and years and years. So it was hell. And yeah, we did win in court. But I think up to this point, there's almost 150 grand in legal bills, which, by the way, I'm still paying legal fees towards that case and not a penny collected. So that whole situation was just a a nightmarish situation. And a lot of people, like, are, like, will hold it against me if I blade now or something. And it's like, I didn't catch the disease from blading. I caught the disease by a guy that knew he had it for 10 years, cutting himself with a blade, putting a razor blade into his head, then taking the same infected razor blade and putting the razor blade into me, which is just like sharing a needle. It's Mm -hmm. far worse than one person just bleeding out. Um, That was a very, that was a very rough match as well. Yeah, and what he was actually found guilty for was negligence, assault, and battery. And it was negligence because he knew he had epsi. And even if he didn't know, um, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to know you shouldn't be sharing razor blades. And then assault, he didn't have my permission to do it. And battery, it caused me bodily harm. So that's what he was actually um, found guilty for. So nightmarish uh, situation, but I'm glad I'm cured and that cure has been reaffirmed as recently as this past December I had uh, another test the only way I could get it again is to be reinfected which I don't plan on doing yeah yeah and of course like obviously you would think like most of the promotions these days are a much safer environment than they were back in the day like I highly doubt independent companies still test none of Mm -hmm. like none I've never been aware of any independent companies that test but this was a massive story, though, wasn't it, yeah. over in the U.S. and Canada when it happened? Oh, yeah. There was a, there was a TV documentary out of it that, that aired across Canada. It made all the, the newspapers. It made, like, a, a national magazine. Hmm. It was huge news uh, for a good couple of years. And then when I was cured, because I got cured from an, uh, an experimental treatment, that also made national news here in yeah. Canada. And even, uh, yeah, in the U.S., some major magazines picked it up, and it was a big story when it happened. Um, but, yeah, I, I overcame it and, and found another job to do where I'm still involved in 
in wrestling, but it, it's a bad situation. Uh, and I would recommend, uh, I would never do a double blood match again where two people are bleeding, even though I didn't catch it from that, but that's risky. Yeah. But I wouldn't like these matches, like where there's panes of glass and all this crap, like you're very in huge danger of infection in matches like that. Because a lot yeah. of these companies don't pay hardly anything to do those. And I've, as I said, I've never heard of one that tests. Maybe there is, but usually they just take people on their word. And the funny thing about Abdullah is if he had just said, I don't want to bleed, nobody would have said anything. He could have kept wrestling and not bleed and not bled and yeah. not like cut, um, like, he could have still done his fort gimmick with just me bleeding, for instance, and nobody would have said anything because all they want to see is him forking someone. There's no reason why he had to also bleed um, if he had known about the dangers. But he seems he seems to be a bit of a senile person. So <laughs> I don't even know if, if to this day he understands the, the whole situation. Yeah. How did you manage to – I know the YouTube thing was – starting then as well but how did you manage to find the the kind of love i guess to get back in the ring after something like that happened well i wasn't on my own youtube channel then i was on other people's um yeah i didn't start it until after my uh second treatment because i had had like a falling out with someone i was working with because i was like giving him content that was supposed to be out on DVD and he was just posting it on his channel. And then I later found out he was making money off of it and not, and I was paying for this and he wasn't even producing the DVDs. But in the end it worked out because if, if he, if we hadn't had that falling out, I never would have known you could make money on YouTube. Um, but I'm sorry. What was the question? How did I was I just about, yeah, to get back in the ring after something like that happening and after what happened, obviously, with WWE and everything. And how did you kind of just decide to get back in the ring after those kind of, I guess, roadblocks or whatever you want to call them? I was always planning on, on making a comeback. There was nothing in my mind that uh, would stop me. And one of my first matches back, another guy I wrestled was AJ Styles. Um but after a while, I realized, actually, it was, and part of my comeback, too, I also made an amateur wrestling comeback for a year, and I got second at the uh, Olympic trials for the London Games for the 2012. So I hadn't wrestled in 10 years. And, like, I, I did tournaments for a year to prepare for the Olympic trials, and I ended up getting second. Um and I wasn't even training with an Olympic with a with a college team or anything. I was training at TriStar in Montreal with their amateur wrestling program. But uh, I think where I first realized that wait a minute, I'm not going to get another chance at this was in 2016. I came back to wrestling in 2014. I stopped from 2011 to 2014 to go through uh, treatments. Treatment. Because during my first treatment, I still tried to keep wrestling. And I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't work. Because yeah. I wasn't allowing my body to just accept the treatment. I was still trying to do all my regular stuff. 
and I ended up having like a mild stroke um, because I was pushing myself so hard. So I should have just really focused all my attention. So I did do that for the second treatment. But yeah, in 2016, Gerald Briscoe, who was a recruiter for WWE, who was the guy that recruited Brock Lesnar, actually got me an NXT tryout. And I was talking to WWE for about seven weeks, yeah, like every week. And then a week before the tryout, like they even went so far as to send me my itinerary for the tryout. And a week before the tryout, they sent me a message basically saying, we're sorry to inform you that uh, you're no longer invited to the tryout. So it was at that point I'm like, okay, there's somebody above Gerald Briscoe who does not want to give me um, another chance. Uh, maybe it's because when you search my name, all the Abdullah stuff shows up. I don't know. But I think it was that at that point that I realized I wasn't going to get it. Then I, it may have been that same year or the year after they did that other Tough Enough. Yeah. The most recent Tough Enough. I also did a video for that. Oh, no, it was the year before that they did the, the Tough Enough. It may have been 2015 because I did a Tough Enough application video that had over 100,000 hits, and they aired it on SmackDown as part of a collage. And I'm like, okay, they might give me another chance. But even though my video had higher hits than a lot of the ones that actually made it on the show and the ones that won that year – didn't even go past developmental. They never gave me a chance. So I think it was those two kind of things that made me realize, okay, I'm not going to get a chance in WWE. I better just focus on YouTube. So it was around that 2016 year that I was just like, okay, I'm going to invest my uh, money and time in, in getting interviews and going on interview trips and building up my channel because – someone doesn't want me there for whatever reason and it's never going to happen so mm -hmm. so for the people that want to say because i report negatively i don't really even report negatively i tell my true feelings on wrestling if i see something good on wwe or AEW, i'll say it but if i see something bad i'll also say it and some people will say well this is why they won't give you chances like no before I ever even started reporting on the news, they weren't going to give me a chance. So I'm just going to do, I'm going to report neutrally on the news. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the things that separates me because most of the people that report on wrestling news are huge fans of the current product. I'm not, I'm not secretly watching the nine hours of WWE product that's out there a week. I can barely make it through the three minute highlight. But I do read the news every day, and I think yeah. there's a lot of fans out there like me that used to be fans of wrestling. Yeah, same as me, really. Yeah, I, I like I like reading about shit that's going on behind the curtain and shit that's going on because it's a whole other world of drama as well. And you always hear these things, and that's that's what kind of keeps me interested in it. Like I'm going to Dallas to Mania because it's kind of something that you have to do maybe once in a lifetime. And the four guys that I'm going with don't watch wrestling. So 
we're just going to have beers for the week and enjoy ourselves. I'm not going to Hall of Fame, SmackDown, NXT, Raw, uh, fucking, what do you call that thing? WrestleCon, queuing up for autographs and people. No, no interest. Just go for the two big shows. I wish it was still only one show. I'd prefer one night. Yeah. And, th- and then we'll fill the rest of our time having some fine beer and whiskey for the week. Yeah, it waters it down. And, and Dallas is a fun town to go out in. I uh, have been in Dallas quite a bit. So, uh, so yeah. But, yeah, no, I think I appeal to that audience that, like me, we, we still want to know about the behind-the-scenes stuff, but we don't really want to watch it. Mm. unless something big happens like if something really interesting happens uh we'll watch like i'm sure when cody rhodes debuts i'll look it up on youtube because i'll be interested to watch but other than that there there hasn't been anything in recent memory that i've been interested in actually yeah. searching up on youtube to watch like for the for the guys for the casual fans that i'm going with let's just say I just mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin and I mentioned Johnny Knoxville and they're like, oh, right, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, let's go, you know. But um, in terms but of the, the Austin thing, he's just going to be doing an in-ring promo. So it's not like that. I mean, that could have just as easily happened on Raw. And then yeah. one, one thing that bothered me recently about AEW mm-hmm. that just kind of like made me remember why I don't like wrestling so much was William Regal making like the public apology for going over on time. And it's like, why do all the fans need to know that there's set times and you broke it and now you got to apologize because you have heat. It's like, there's no magic left in wrestling to like pull me in and make me think that it's somewhat real anymore. Sadly. I mean, if Austin wrestled Goldberg, I may have been interested in that in WrestleMania because like that was a match everyone wanted to see. It never yeah. happened, but there's no there's no matches on there yeah. that really piqued my interest this year. The the only thing that interests me about the the Austin thing is I seen him doing some interview in on American maybe it was a podcast or television the other day, and he said, "I've been working on my cardio, blah blah blah. I've been hitting the gym, okay, and I haven't done this in 19 years." But like he has, he has been back within those 19 years. Like 19 years ago, he had that match against The Rock. So I don't know why they're saying that this is my first time back in 19 years when he, when he's been back a lot of times within those last 19 years. So they, they must be planning on doing something a little bit more than a Kevin Owens show, but maybe they're too afraid or he's too afraid maybe to advertise it as a match in case he looks bad. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, uh, I'll watch it when someone posts it for sure, but he has done tons of in-ring segments where he stunnered people and done interviews in the ring in the past nineteen yeah. years. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Blood Hunter, and this will lead us into the movie that's coming out. Oh, and speaking Ma- of Austin, I will say one thing about Austin. Uh, this was yeah. one of the highlights of my YouTube career. He's talked about me three times on his podcast now, and. He actually did call me a few years ago um, because he watches my interviews and wanted to talk to me about my interviews. So again, I didn't make WWE, but like I got a call from Steve Austin to to talk that he watches my interviews. So that was pretty cool. Hopefully someday we'll see him on the channel. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, he's still under contract. Uh, 
And I, of course, I could never pay him anywhere close to uh, what I'm sure he gets for his WWE jaws, but that would be awesome. And I do have, because I speak publicly about my feelings, there are some people that won't appear on my, or won't actually do interviews with me because I, I have heat. Mm-hmm. And are these people that are still within the business or they? Some still within it or some that want to get back. Um, yeah. And like don't want to risk because I'll also ask questions that they might be uncomfortable with. Let's face the facts. If you want to get back with WWE, you really shouldn't do any shoot interviews. Because mm-hmm. anything you say can and will be held against you. So yeah, I understand that, and I don't hold grudges over that. I do hold grudges against people that agree in no show, though. Yeah, that that's it's happened a few times for me, but like, you know, sometimes the excuses are pretty bad. Yeah, sorry, I forgot or whatever. I always kind of try to remind people at least a, an hour or a day before if I can, or. Yeah, Anything like that. Uh, names because I do kind of like this guy, but there was one guy that I did consider kind of a friend in the business, and I was kind of doing him a favor interviewing him, yeah, to make up for for uh, a cancellation. And he no showed three times, and I had prepaid him because I thought he was my friend. And the fourth time, when I finally got him for an interview. He was four and a half hours late. So I literally had to sit around here for four and a half hours. Are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready now? So it goes without saying, I'm not going to ever pay him for anything again. Because I thought that was just a complete waste of my time because I'm a busy person and I don't have time to just wait around for interviews all day. Just tell me a time and show up at that time, please. Yeah. We're going to wrap up here on the Blood Hunter, how the Blood Hunter was kind of born and the idea behind him. Um, this is going to lead into the movie, and without giving too much away on the movie, just a kind of brief synopsis of what people can expect. Yeah, the, the Blood Hunter, I did take again around, when was it? Around, I think it was the summer of 2018, I was supposed to wrestle Cody Rhodes on a great North wrestling event. And we had put booked the event on the Sunday to fit uh, because he wouldn't do like, he couldn't make our show unless it was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And like, it looked like it was going to happen uh, for August of 2018, but then he got a job with arrow and he didn't uh, – he wasn't able to do the match, and that's understandable because of his shooting schedule. Yeah. So I decided because I'd been training at kickboxing uh, for a while by then that I would just have a kickboxing match. So I did take about two years. The last match I had as Hannibal was in May of 2018. I defeated PCO. And then I took like two years where I just did kickboxing. But then I realized I got a bunch of concussions from actually the training in kickboxing, not even the matches. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not going to go get into kickboxing in my mid-30s. Maybe I'll uh, go back to wrestling here and there. And I decided that I would come back as a different character. And that character ended up getting over um, very well. So I just 
stuck with the character, but there ha there it has had some controversy. You could say yes. it's over now. You could say it's over now more than ever. And back in December, he was the most hated heel in the business. Made actual uh, made TMZ, uh, the UK Sun, the UK Metro, New York Daily News, New York Post. Toronto Sun. Um, so I think the Blood Hunter might be too controversial of a character for today's wrestling. And I think I heard Kevin Sullivan say it lately. The Blood Hunter is like an 80s wrestler that would have like been great in the 70s and 80s territories, but in the, the PG era of wrestling and, and the world we live in now. He just might not be suitable for it. So that's why we're putting him into movies. <laughs> so are you going to take him out of the ring? Well, he'll he'll still wrestle here and there. But um, I, I wouldn't say he's going to uh, he's going to try and, and make uh, AEW anymore or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just not a character that, that's going to be suited. Uh, for any of today's companies, um, so yeah, and I've as again I've lost my passion for it. Um, he did get really popular in Texas. He is still the undefeated Texas champion, um, and he's also the Great North Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. He beat Davy Boy Smith Jr. for that, and a year ago yesterday, he beat Gangrel for the uh, Texas title. He's very popular in Texas still. The fans there are uh, are very loyal to him. But I'm going to focus on the movie and uh, get him over on a different platform. And who knows? Maybe if the movie turns into a series and the movie series gets popular enough, you'll see him more in the ring. Because in wrestling, it's all about popularity. And whatever makes money they'll they'll bring back no matter how controversial we've seen that time and time again yeah so uh i, don't, I definitely don't think you've seen him wrestle for the last time but because all of those are the bad thing that happened out of all those articles uh, is like everyone it was it was still kind of protected that it was me but all those articles that came out said that hannibal was the blood hunter so I can't pretend it's not me anymore. So it kind of took some of the magic out of the character. Yeah, I was having fun watching you refer to him all the time in the third person as well. Yeah, and sadly, uh, they got the better of him there. Yeah, so, yeah. Whatever, it was an interesting character. Great to work with uh, Kevin Sullivan as the manager. And he had, he had tons of other managers, but... The fact of the matter is, no matter who was managing him, his hits were pretty similar. So the it was the character that was over. So who knows uh, when he'll come back? I would say he'll probably have a match this year, for mm -hmm. sure. After the movie is done, I'm not going to do anything to risk getting hurt before the movie because uh, that would be tragic. Uh, but we'll see uh, what happens with that character as time goes on. Yeah, well, man, it was great to have you on again today and best of luck with everything and the movie and hopefully when the movie is maybe about to hit we might get you on to uh talk to us about what way you're going to distribute it etc for sure yeah and uh, if we're filming it in june i'm hoping it'll be out by the fall because it is going to be 
uh, an erotic horror movie. <laughs> it's actually a vampire movie, but it will appeal to wrestling fans because the Blood Hunter is still a wrestler in it. Mm-hmm. But the Blood Hunter, and I do consider myself a vampire in real life, but the Blood Hunter is vampire in the movie, but there's all kinds of subplots that I think it will also appeal to uh, mainstream people too. And like, it's going to be similar to an eighties horror movie in many ways. I'm a big fan of eighties horror movies, but it's going to be realistic. There is going to be special effects in it, but like the blood hunter is not going to be able to fly and he's not going to be able to like disappear. Uh, So the, the, the scariness of it, is is going to be real and there's going to be also gorgeous women in this um so i think there's going to be something for maybe not everyone because some people might be offended by it but something for the uh the wrestling fans like myself that love 80s and early 90s horror movies exactly and and the vampire movie fans uh it's it's going to be pretty cool 80s horror movies is my favorite yeah. genre of movies and i'm actually really excited about this and as i as i said one of my last matches uh, for pcw ultra as the blood hunter against scorpio i got a bad concussion and then in sab when i wrestled sabu earlier this year i got a really bad concussion too and i also tore my pec so i think the movie is going to be a lot more controlled stunts and stuff less yeah. less likelihood of injury so I think it's a good path to go down as I uh, I'm 39 years old now, but I'm 39 and I'm feeling fine and I could beat up the vast majority of 20 year olds still in real in a shoot. Yeah. Thanks a million for your time today, man. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Subscribe to the Hannibal TV on YouTube and Facebook, like our page on Facebook and we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Hannibal TV, the Hannibal you could uh, order this Blood Hunter hoodie. There's a merchandise link and, and other the Hannibal TV merch as well. So thanks for having me and uh, good luck with your uh, continued success of your YouTube channel. Likewise to yourself, man.